0: Hey, good morning, Sycamore View. I made a commitment to you. I made a few commitments to you just over 10 weeks ago. One of my commitments is that I will not minimize the current crisis we are in, but that every single day I'm gonna try to use my voice to elevate and lift up how good, gracious, powerful, present, and generous our God is. I made a commitment to you that I wanted to model a non-anxious presence. So anytime I'm on this stage or was providing and creating other content throughout the week, I wanted there to be this non-anxious presence that you find in Jesus that acknowledges that there are reasons to be afraid, but there is a peace that transcends all circumstances. I made a commitment to you that I want to be an ambassador of hope. So every time I stand before you, I want to help point people to hope, give you hope to to cling to in your life. And, and And I hope I've been able to model these things for you There are a number of things I love about the Sycamore View culture. Some of the things I love about our culture that have been part of who we have been for a long time is that we are a culture that's not afraid to to adapt and to change and to tweak some things and to do things differently. We're not afraid to take risks and we're not afraid to fail. We're not afraid to fail. And I, for over ten weeks now, like it's it's on. Like whenever I stand up before you, like I don't want to fail you. I I want to offer up a word of hope. I want to give you joy to cling to, even through whatever it is we are feeling and experiencing right now. And, And God keeps reminding me, Josh. Remember, remember, I don't need you to be a hero. I don't need you to be spectacular. I just need you to be faithful. Last Sunday. We started about a five- or six-week series that we're going to be in talking about vision, that the new vision of the church is going to center around the theme awakening, that Sycamore View exists to awaken people to the greatness of Jesus. So last Sunday, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, go check that out on our podcast or on our website. I began unpacking our new vision and the eight core values that go along with it. And over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack these a little bit more. We're going to go deeper in them. And I'm super excited about what this is going to do for us as a church and it's not that we're doing anything completely different than what we've done in the past. So much of the vision and the core values is who we have been but it gives us clear language, it's going to give us initiatives, it's going to generate passion and help cultivate behavior and attitudes. Just so who, what kind of people we are in the process of becoming. So I'm excited about this. Today I want to talk to you about what does it mean? The first core value is that we courageously anticipate the movement of God. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Today I want to talk about our first core value, which is we courageously anticipate the movement of God. There's a story that's told back in the, during the Korean War. That at one point in this war, the enemy forces advanced against the the group Baker Company, and Baker Company was cut off from the rest of their team. And as the enemy was advancing on them, the commanders couldn't find Baker Company. They're trying to find a radio signal, they're like where are they? And and there was no signal that was coming through. They couldn't find the troops, and then there was a faint signal. So the commander, they're they're uh, they're trying to reach Baker Company, and they're saying, Baker Company, can you read me? Baker Company, can you? read me. And finally, you heard Baker Company respond with, "Baker Baker Company is here. And then the voice said, what is your situation? And the sergeant of Baker Company said this, the enemy is to our east, the enemy is to our west, the enemy is to our north, and the enemy is to our south. And then there was a pause. And then the sergeant came back on and said, with determination, There is no way the enemy can get away from us now. Completely surrounded by the enemy. Completely outnumbered by the enemy but this sergeant chose to take a posture of victory not defeat. That as we look around and we see that we are completely surrounded we're not going to surrender. We're going to stand in victory. And that's exactly what happened. And there are times in our lives when you open up your eyes and you look around and you feel like you're surrounded by defeat. You're surrounded by chaos, by uncertainty. You look to the left and there's COVID-19. You look to the right and there's all kind of things that are being impacted by COVID-19. Yet we remind ourselves today as a church, we stand in victory. The same power that lifted Jesus from a grave is in us calling the church not to stand in defeat, but to stand in victory, victory to advance upon the world, to advance against the enemy. And we do this through vision, through courage, through faith, and through prayer. I'm really excited today. We're launching a 21-day prayer effort. We've done these prayer efforts in the life of our church for a number of years. And today we're launching a 21-day prayer effort that's going to begin today on May 24th and go all the way to Sunday, June 14th. Every day, uh, in fact, you know what, Fawn's about to jump on and Fawn's going to tell you, tell you more about this. Fawn's one of our youth ministers. Fawn's leading this initiative. So check out what Fawn has to say about our prayer effort
1: good morning sycamore view i'm fawn taylor i'm one of the youth ministers here and i'm really excited to tell you about our 21 days of prayer when josh first asked me if i would participate in this i didn't know if i really could do it i had a lot on my plate and um, my attitude hasn't been that great lately you know with the pandemic and all and i just I just didn't know if I would be the greatest person to help lead our church in awakening our spirits to whatever God's doing. And I just, I wanted to say no. And Josh said I could say no, and I thought about it, and God just whispered to me, you need to do this. Your spirit needs to wake up, and you need to take part in this, and you need to be a leader that is um, going to take a step forward and be willing to say, yeah, I'm not in a perfect place right now. I need to wake up and maybe I can help everybody else wake up too. So I'm really actually very excited now to tell you about it. I spent time in the Word. I spent time listening to worship music, hearing Christian songs. I Talked to our shepherds, our shepherds' wives, our ministers, and I asked them to send me their favorite Christian songs. And as I was just listening to all of this, um, all of these songs, and all of and the and being in the Word, my spirit started coming alive too, and I started buying into the vision of awakening. So I'm really, really, really excited that today we start our 21 days of prayer. Each day, we're walking through the awakening vision and we'll look at the core values that Josh is talking about and we'll look at our commitments that we've been doing over the last couple of years. So each day, we'll say, what do we need to focus in on? The first day will be Sycamore View exists. Why do we exist? What are we doing here? And each day, we'll go along with that. Each day, we'll have a theme coming from our vision it will have a song that we want you to listen to that might get your heart in the right place if you don't like that song you can try a different song we'll have some scripture and then we'll have a prayer prompt for you It should only take about 10 minutes of your day it could be your daily devotional for the day but i think that you're gonna come away from it like i am a little bit more awake a little bit more excited about what god's doing and ready to wake up
0: Thank you so much, Fawn. I love your heart for God, your heart for prayer, and thank you for your leadership in this effort. Uh, Church and and others who want to participate, you can access our daily prayer vigil, the content. Uh, We're going to send out an email to all of our members, but all of our social media accounts will have that content every day. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Sorry, no TikTok, no Snapchat, but on all those other forms, you'll be able to check out that information and join us and let's pray together. It's going to be about five to ten minutes a day. I hope you'll participate and join us in that. There are times when God does extraordinary things without us ever asking. There are times God does things and and we didn't even ask for it. It's because God initiates. It's because God cares. It's because God's involved and because God knows what's best. There are times God does things and we don't even ask. And then there are times when God does extraordinary things. God does the impossible and it's because we ask. God hears our prayers God cares. God hears our groaning. God knows what is broken. God God cares and God hears and there are are times when God does things because we ask. Victory breaks through because we ask. Testimonies are there because we ask God for them. Now throughout life there are times where you have a high anticipation for something. Like you went into a movie, and you were anticipating this movie being great, and you were anticipating that it would be great because Jimmy Fallon said it was going to be great, because GMA said it was going to be great, because it's one of your favorite male or female actors. You knew it was going to be great, and you go in, and it blew your expectations out of the water. The movie was amazing. Before you even leave the movie theater, you're posting about it. You're shooting a Facebook Live out in the parking lot in your car, telling all your people that they need to go see it. There are times you've been to a concert, and you went with Hayek expectations. You went with a lot of anticipation and it was amazing. If I were to ask you right now where you are to answer the question of what has been the best concert you've ever been to, I bet all of you not only would say what the concert was, you could tell me why it was so amazing. Was it because of the encore, because of the energy in the room, the environment? You, you know, there are ball games you've been to that you went with a high and uh, just a high anticipation, a lot, just high expectation and, and it exceeded those expectations. But I bet you also know what it's like to go into a place with a lot of anticipation about what you were about to experience and it just wasn't up to par. You've been to a restaurant thinking it was going to be amazing and it kind of let you down. You've been to a concert and the energy just wasn't there. You've been to a movie and you thought it was going to be great and it flopped. You've been to a ball game expecting a great game and it wasn't. You know what that's like too. And there are times where we have moved forward in faith that God is going to do something amazing. We move forward in faith and in prayer that God was going to break through. And God did. And there was victory and there was transformation. And there was a testimony and a story to tell. An evident awareness that God was among us. And there have also been times that we've entered into a time of prayer for people, over people, that God would intercede, expecting God, asking God to do something great. And it just, it didn't feel like anything happened. You know what I've come to believe in my life is that God doesn't do things for show. God doesn't wake up thinking, you know what, I need some attention today. God does things for the good of the world. And even in the Bible, When there are times where God tells people, hey, I just need you to know I'm about to do something amazing and this isn't because you have done something so great that I need to respond to your greatness. It's like God's telling people, it's not because of your righteousness. I'm going to do something great because of my, because of the holiness of my name. And even when God says, I'm going to do something great because of how holy my name is, it's usually for the good of the world. God's doing something for His name. And humans and all the world, the whole earth is going to benefit from this. God doesn't wake up thinking, I need to do it for show. Acts chapter 2 is a place where most people, if you've been in church very long, you know Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and there's this amazing movement of God the Holy Spirit falls, and, and according to Acts 2, you have 3,000 people who are baptized that day. You have conversions. You have people who are confessing Jesus as the Lord of their life. People are repenting. A community is formed. The church is launched. And in Acts 2, you have like the first major movement of the Holy Spirit and the launch of the church. And it's called the book of Acts because there's a there are a lot of people who are acting, or maybe better said, the Holy Spirit is acting in and through the church But the first command in the book of Acts isn't in Acts chapter two. The first command in the Book of Acts isn't about preaching or teaching or what it means to be the church. The first command in the book of Acts is in Acts chapter one, verse four, when Jesus says this. Jesus hadn't ascended into the heavens yet, and in Acts one four, he's already risen from the dead, you have this. On one occasion, while he while Jesus he was eating with them, he gave them this command do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Which you have heard me speak about. The first first command in the book of Acts isn't for people to go and do anything. It's that people would just wait. You talk about courageously anticipating the movement of God. What the people do in Acts chapter 1 is Jesus says, I need you to go and wait. And there was no timeline given for this. There was no date. There was not, I need you to wait for this many days or this many hours or this many weeks. It's, I just need you to go to Jerusalem and you need to wait. And you need to wait until the promise of God, the promise of the Spirit comes upon you as a church. You just need to go and wait. And if you're one of the apostles or you're someone in the church, you're probably thinking, hey, tell us how long do we have to wait? When's it going to happen? Because most of us work really good with deadlines. You're given a project, you want to know when it's due. You're given an assignment, it's due next Friday. You know the work you have to do to get it done by the Friday. For a lot of our kids, we give them chores and they need to be done by a certain time. We work well with deadlines and goals. We work well with finish lines. And in Acts 1-4, like, there's no finish line given to them. It's just you you go to Jerusalem and you wait for the Spirit of God to come. And that's exactly what they did. They went, they waited. In Acts 1 verse 14 and 16, they're devoting themselves to prayer. They're asking God to raise up a twelfth apostle for them to strengthen the leadership. And they're waiting with, they're courageously anticipating, okay, what is it that God's going to do? And when the Spirit of God came, it's like, man, they were ready for the movement of God. They were ready for it. And sometimes what's hard is like we're waiting and we don't know what a season of waiting is going to look like. And it, what's really hard is when we don't see the finish line. I ran track back in middle school because all my friends were running track. I decided to run track too. And I didn't want to do any of this cross-country stuff. I don't like running long distance. I never have. So I decided to run track. I was going to high jump and pole vault. And, and the coach said, hey, Josh, I need you to run the 300-meter hurdles. I was like, well, great coach, put me in. Whatever you need, I'll do it for you. 300 meter hurdles. I thought, how how hard can it be? And then I did it for the first time. And the first time I did it was the only time I did it. Because 300 meters didn't sound like very long, but when you're sprinting 300 meters and jumping over things while you're doing it, I think I crawled over the last one and I was like, Coach, I I can't do 300 meters. Like if I do this again, I'm going to die. Give me me something else. So he decided to put me in the 4x100 relay where now all I had to do was run 100 meters and hand a baton to the person in front of me. And I knew that was my task. I had a starting line. I had a place where I started. I had a place where I was going to finish. I had to run 100 meters, hand the baton to someone else, to one of my teammates, and I was done. I knew that was my task. For those of you who like to run, when you go run a marathon, you know you have to run 26.2. And you know that 26.2 is not going to turn into 35. And you know when you start that there's going to be a finish. If you're running a 10K, you know that when you start, you're going to run 10K. And then there's going to be a finish line. And what's hard is when we're in something and we're waiting and we don't know where the finish line is. So right now with COVID-19, like where's the finish line? Is it July? Is it September? Is it November? How dare I even start mentioning dates in 2021, right? Like, where's the finish line? It would be so much easier right now for most of us, for our minds and our hearts. Like, God, just where is this finish line? But sometimes God's like, okay, in the waiting, can you courageously anticipate what it is I'm going to do? Can you courageously anticipate what it is I want to do in you and for you? So in times like this, a lot, a lot of what we do is we resort to, okay, God, so while I wait, what I ask of you is protect us, give us safety, and give us security. Protection, safety, and security. And I've prayed those prayers so much over the last few weeks, over me, over my family, over this church, those I love. Protection, security, and safety. And then God often reminds me that the primary posture that God takes in the world is not a posture of protection. It's a posture of cultivation. It's a posture of transformation. It's a posture of restoration. That God's primary goal is not protection. God's primary goal is cultivating what it is that God's protecting. God protects, but God wants to be transforming what it is that God is protecting. God transformed the way I pray for my children about six months ago. Because I was going, I had gone a, a couple of weeks praying for them and other of other, uh, our teens and our children who were in schools praying that God would guard their hearts. And that was my prayer for weeks. God, guard their hearts. There are places in the Bible that talk about guarding hearts. And then I sense one day God saying, Hey, Josh, keep praying for me to guard hearts. But what I want you to add to it is this. Ask for me to cultivate the heart that I'm guarding. Cultivate the heart. Be building up the heart, growing the heart. This is what God does. When we courageously anticipate the movement of God, a lot of times there's waiting. And what I really want you to hear today is there's preparation that goes with it. If you want to courageously anticipate the movement of God in your life, both individually and if we do in the life of the church, we need to be preparing for the encounter. We need to be preparing our hearts and our minds for where there is the movement of God that we're able to see it. We prepare for it. Let me show you two places in the Bible that are examples of this. In Exodus chapter 19, this is right before the Ten Commandments are given. And in Exodus 19, verse 9 through 11, here's what it says. The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. And then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, and and listen to this, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. What God tells the people, what God tells Moses is, hey, there's something I want to do among the people. There's a a way I want to encounter the people, but I can't do it today. And it's almost like God saying, I can't do it today because the people aren't ready. I did it today. It would be such a surprise and such a, such a shock to them that they would, there would be so much confusion. Their head wouldn't be in the right place. Their heart wouldn't be in the right place. So three days from now, I'm going to come and I'm going to meet with the people. And in three days, there's going to be a memorable encounter. I'm going to come and I'm going to meet with the people. But it's three days from now. And what you need to instruct the people is for the next three days, they need to prepare for it. Prepare for the encounter. And they're preparing their minds They're preparing their hearts, their bodies, their families for in three days God's gonna come and God's gonna visit his people. In Joshua chapter 3, so Moses is dead, Joshua's stepping in as a new leader, and you have a similar moment in Joshua 3, verse 2 through 5. It says, after three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you were to move out from your positions and follow it. And then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Don't go near it. Listen to verse 5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I Consecrate, purify, prepare your mind, prepare your heart for it. So in the book of Acts, there are times where there are these quick conversions. People hear about Jesus, they surrender their lives to Jesus. They hear about Jesus, they believe in Jesus, they pray a prayer, they're baptized into Christ. As Christianity began to grow a couple of hundred years later, there are people who were hearing the story for the first time and they didn't have Jewish roots. They weren't really sure what the story consisted of. And there often became a waiting period, whether you agree with this or not, that when people were ready to surrender their life to Jesus, people were asked, hey, here's what we want you to do. The church would say, hey, take a couple of days where you pray and you fast. And you remind yourself of what this commitment is. You prepare yourself for the encounter. If you want to courageously anticipate the movement of God, we need to prepare for it. We prepare for it. And we prepare for it. And we anticipate, we do this, we prepare our hearts. We're very intentional about removing obstacles. And we make room for God. If you want to courageously anticipate the movement of God in your life, and if we do in this church, we prepare our hearts, we remove obstacles, we make room for God. Prepare hearts, remove obstacles, make room for God. And when we do that, we believe for great things. We wait and we see, okay, what is it? I'm ready for it. Where is it? God, what are you doing? I want to see it. My mind is ready. My heart is ready. God, I'm anticipating your movement. Where is it? And I want to be a part of it. And sometimes the challenging thing in life is we, we, uh, we go through these seasons where we feel like we're just, the best we can do is we're just trying to keep our heads above water. We're just treading water and it's like we're just standing still and we're just trying not to go under. You know what the record is for treading water? You know what treading water is, right? Like when you're in the deep end of a swimming pool or you're out in a a lake and you're just kind of, you're there and you're just moving your arms and legs just trying to stay above water. You know what the record is for it? It's 85 hours. He's a 19-year-old guy. He lived in India, and he wanted to set a record. So he decided to break the record, and he broke the record by over 30 hours, 85 hours. This would be like one of us beginning to tread water last Wednesday night, and we just now stopped. I don't know how he did it. I'm sure he floated some. At some point, people are having to hand him water or Gatorade or things to eat because, I mean, you've got to have something going into your body for 85 hours. And I bet some of you right now, you're like, man, I feel like I've been treading water for 85 hours or 85 days, or maybe a few years. And God didn't create any of us or ask any of us to perpetually just tread water. This wasn't a posture that God wants any of us to take, just trying to keep our heads above water. There are seasons where we have to do it, but God, God wants us to thrive. God wants us to be filled with the Spirit of God and come to life, to be able to step out of the waters, to live a life that God wants us to live. So let me end with this story. On November seventh of twenty ten, so about just almost a decade ago, there was a story that happened with a participant in the New York City Marathon that had never happened before. That there was someone who participated in the New York City Marathon who who trained underground, and I'm not talking about training in subways. He trained underground. His name was Edison Pena. He's one of the thirty three miners who was stuck down in Chile, stuck under the ground for 69 days, a half mile under the surface. And as he was down there, he decided he was going to train for the New York City Marathon. So for 69 days, he would run six to seven miles in the morning and six to seven miles in the afternoon. And he would do all of this while wearing uh, steel-toed electrician electrician shoes, these boots that he cut down to... Uh, just like high ankle shoes, and he would run in these in the dark, total dark, down a thousand meter path, six to seven miles in the morning, six to seven miles in the afternoon. He believed he was going to get out there one day. And when he did, he wanted to run. And he wanted to run the marathon to raise awareness for safer work conditions and workplaces. He wanted to run to raise awareness for, for deeper trust in God for a deeper commitment to family. So here he is, this 34-year-old guy who had spent 69 days down under the ground training for this marathon, and, and they, they rescued these guys. In mid-October, the race was in the, at the beginning of November. So the New York City Marathon, the organizers invited him to attend the event, but he didn't want to attend the event, he wanted to run in the event. And they decided to let him, they made an exception. they let him run, and he did. And he ran in front of about 2 million people who were watching through the five boroughs of New York City, through Central Park. And he ran, and in a way he reminded the entire world of this. The preparation begins long before opportunity arrives. Preparation begins long before opportunity arrives. You want to courageously anticipate the movement of God? Prepare for it. Prepare our minds, our hearts to see and to know, okay, God, what is it you're doing? And we want to be a part of it. We're going to transition right now into a time that I I miss this moment with, with our church, where every week we take the bread and we take the cup. And we're reminded that when Jesus went to the cross and Jesus died that death, Jesus was courageously anticipating the movement of God. Jesus was trusting that he's going to go forward with his death on a cross and the only way he could come back to life was the movement of God bringing him back to life. And now this is the story that changes everything. We're going to have a few moments right now. Where you can take the bread and you can take the cup by yourself or with people you're in a room with, or and maybe you'll choose to come back to this when the worship service is over and spend a little more time with it. I, I, I hope you will. But right now, as a church, can we just celebrate? This holds us together, it keeps us together, it launches us forward. And let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, give us deeper faith. Even if we've been through seasons where it feels like our prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling, give us deeper faith that we may pray with greater intensity and greater faith than ever before. That as we courageously anticipate what it is you are doing, God, that you will call us into a season of preparation to prepare our minds, our hearts, our bodies, our intentions, our motives, that, that you will help remove all distractions, the exhaustion, all the emotions that are keeping us from seeing and hearing you clearly. We offer all this up to you. And we ask right now, God, as we take a moment to remember what it is Jesus did for us and what he still does for us. We thank you for this bread and we thank you for this cup, for it changes everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.